morning we're in chapter 3 of the Gospel of John, and, and if you turn to the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, you'll find the Gospels in the beginning, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we've been going through a series entitled, uh, That We May Believe. And so we're living in days of unbelief. We're living in days where we're walking among people who do not know, not only not understand what the gospel is, they do not see a church presenting the gospel in the way <clears throat> that Christ anticipated. And you say, well, Robert, that's a pretty big indictment. Well, it is. Because the church was called to proclaim Christ, that he is Lord of all. And if you go back to the beginning of chapter 1 of John, Jesus was not someone who was born like us, and we be he began his existence at birth. John says that he was before his birth. He was with the Father in the heavens. He was the one through whom all things were created. And not only was Jesus with the Father, he is God, which makes Jesus either a liar, a lunatic, or who he said he is. And so as the world still debates the issue of Christianity, this person, Jesus, still looms largely in the minds of men and women who are seeking to know who the creator of our world really is. And so in light of that, we're reading from John chapter 3, verse 1, and we first are going to be introduced to a number of individuals, but the first one is a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, someone who should know God. In other words, he should not only be able to teach the law of God, he should tell others how to know God. And this man, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus at night. And we read in John chapter 3 these words, and this is the word of God for us this morning. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. In other translations, born from above. Verse 4, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. And you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you 
people do not accept our testimony. Have I spoken to you of, I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world. I bet everyone could say this passage without my reading it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Say it with me. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray for me? I, I, do, I need your prayers this morning. I, I really do. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our Father, as we study your word, we ask simply this, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to lead each and every one of us in our thinking about the words of Christ, the word of God. And so our prayer is God's it is one thing to read, print, and ink on a page. It is quite another thing to have God the Holy Spirit illuminate our hearts so that we understand and know all that you reveal. And so we pray for the illumination of your Spirit upon all of us. And the people of God said together, Amen. I don't know about you, but uh, every once in a while, we get a little wild hair in our family where we decide the house needs a deep cleaning. Amen, women? Uh, I don't know what that means. I'm always worried. I'm thinking we're going to have to do like the Beverly Hillbillies did when the granny decided to clean out the mansion. She wanted a deep cleaning, so she took every piece of furniture out of the house put it on the lawn, and they cleaned the entire place. Do y'all remember the Clampets, the hillbillies? You remember that? The Beverly Hillbillies? Some of you are too young. I'm sorry you, you missed that. That was probably a good education for you. Some of you need to have lessons in deep cleaning because, because you know, especially you young people, there are crevices in your bedroom that, uh, that haven't been visited by a mop or a broom or a vacuum in probably the whole time you've lived there. And so your parents are frightened to go into your room sometimes because they're worried they might find things that, uh, that would grab them and eat them. Uh, or maybe things that you have left there because you failed to eat them. Imagine that. Uh, I actually talked to one family who had a daughter and a son who literally, they would sneak candy into the attic doors of their bedrooms so that as the parents slept that night, they would whip out the candy and eat it in bed. And then they never understood why there were crumbs all over the sheets. Never understood it. Um, the parents even were more befuddled because they couldn't figure out how in, the way the, how in the world the crumbs got into the sheets. Well, when you think about cleaning, when you think about deep cleaning, um, one of the things that I love is I love to find products that can help us clean things. And so I was looking through the janitorial closet, and I was surprised as a woodworker to find this, but this is Murphy's Oil Soap. Have you all ever seen that? Murphy's Oil Soap. I want you to know this is a miracle cleaner because it says it will naturally, naturally clean and, and uh, remove all dirts from wood. And I'm thinking, well, I need to take some of that home. 
I'd love to clean some things there. I found some other products that will call that call themselves deep cleaning kind of uh, of detergents. Um, Cindy and I were using the Tide to clean our clothes, and and suddenly we began to realize that we weren't smelling good. Um, when we finished just showers that we would take, uh, we would smell our towels, and they smelled so awful. I mean, putrid, y'all. And we were beginning to accuse each other of not washing well in the showers. And we began to say, what's going on in this house? This place is beginning to fall apart. And, and lo and behold, my wife realized that it was the detergent we were using. The detergent was not cleaning the way it should. So when we changed the detergent in our dishwasher, it suddenly disappeared. All the, all the foul aromas that were part of that have, have just been removed from the house. And I was thinking about how, <clears throat> in so many ways, uh, this chapter that we're talking about is talking about a cleaning of your life. A cleaning of your life. Now, we quoted that passage together. <clears throat> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We know that because we know that in the truthfulness of of the scriptures teach that you and I are separated from God because of our, our sins. We are a stench to God. That without Christ in our life, we smell bad. We stink. And so when you and I begin to think about this whole purpose of coming, of Christ coming into the world, John wants us to see in chapter 3 that this stench is not just for those of us who are poor or out of, the, out of the mainstream of life because a man named Nicodemus comes to him and begins to seek Jesus out at night. Now, there have been many commentators who tried to figure out why was it at night. Maybe Nicodemus was embarrassed and didn't want to be seen as a Pharisee, a teacher of the law coming to Jesus. Maybe, maybe he, he had other duties during the day and the evening was the only time convenient to be with Jesus alone. We're not sure. We only know this, that Jesus came to Jesus at night because he was hungry for something. He was hungry to be cleansed. Are you? Is there some sin in your life that you know of that if you stood before God that this morning you would, you would blush? That you would recoil? Well, here's a man who on outward appearance had every credential to say he was a holy and righteous man and he comes in the middle of the night to come and seek Jesus. It kind of thinks, you kind of think about this whole business of, of being clean and particularly being clean before God and, and it's a very uncomfortable feeling for everyone. Not just those who are believers but for unbelievers. Because being clean means that we have a clean conscience, a pure heart, and a sincere faith in God. That's what Timothy heard from Paul's letter to him. That our aim is to have a clean heart, a, a pure heart, a clean conscience, a sincere faith. And so as you and I begin to wrestle with this, we say, well, well what does it take to stand before God? What does it take for you and I to be able to come into this place and worship God? I don't know if you thought about that, but as we were singing those beautiful songs that we sung, we weren't singing them to entertain each other. We were not here to, to please ourselves. We were here to sing to God 
and to speak the truth of what he has done for us. And so I get really upset with some people that come in and say, I don't like that song. I don't care if you like it or not. Does it speak the truth about your relationship with God? And if it does, you better sing it louder, regardless of what the tune is, because it speaks the truth about who Christ is and why he came, which was you're a foul person. You stink. And you have no hope. No hope to stand before God. How do I know that? Well, in, in, Psalm, in the Psalm of David, Psalm 24, remember who David was? He was a great king in the Old Testament. In his latter days, when he became too old to go fight in the army, what happened to him? He was on a rooftop, and he looked out, and he saw a good-looking woman next door, and she was bathing, and he, he had one of those moments, men, that most of you always dream for, you know, that moment where you can look at some woman of beauty and all that she is without being noticed, a voyeur. The lust grips his heart. He ends up murdering her husband. Not personally, but setting it up so that he is killed. And then he takes this woman to be his. And you think, well, who would be worthy to... What person could we vote for who would do that? Or want as our king? Well, David writes this psalm. Listen to it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who can ascend? Who can ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy presence, the holy place? And then David answers his questions by saying, the one who has a clean hand and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Let me ask you this morning, or do you have a clean hand and a pure heart? Do you worship the Lord alone? Well, if you're that person who cannot say you are, you need to get behind me as the leader of the line of those who have fallen short of the glory of God. That's what troubled Nicodemus. You see, he was religious. He went to church. He did all the right religious things. But he knew in his heart he wasn't pure. And he hungered to be so. That's why he sought Jesus. I wonder this morning, did you come here with that same motivation? Are you hungry for Jesus to make you pure? And in that conversation, Jesus tells him things that really are quite surprising. Are you ready? We're going to go by this real quickly. He says, first of all, that those who see God must first be born again. They must be born from above. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> That's what Nicodemus said. What are you talking about? How can someone be born a second time? What is it that you're saying to me, Jesus? I don't get it. 
And if you've ever been in that situation, you know exactly what, what uh, the preponderance is about this whole business of this chapter because there has been a, a almost false gospel preached in our country. If we're not careful, we will fall into it. It says that basically God is to make me wealthy and rich. If I come to Jesus, he'll bless me. And he'll fill my coffers and give me everything I ever desire. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is, is saying that he has come to do something more, more profound than just supply your material needs. He has come to do the deep cleaning that you have been unable to accomplish in and of yourselves. He has come to, to apply some kind of cleanser to your life that would allow you to stand before God and say, I have a clean, heart, a clean hand and a pure heart. That there is some way that God is providing for you to be blameless before the Father. Can you imagine? Well, what way is that? What way do I, I find that can allow me to stand before God knowing my unclean heart and my impure mind. What method is there? Is there some law I can obey? Is there some ritual I can practice? Is there something that will save me? And Jesus says you must be born from above. Well, immediately, what does that mean? It means, first of all, it's not within you to be saved. You cannot cleanse yourself. I don't care how hard you work, how disciplined your life is. You cannot possibly achieve a level of purity. Why? Because you're already impure before God. You were born with that nature that rebels against him. And if it was possible for you to live a sinless life from this point forward, you still would stand before God and you would have a wrinkled brow and a worried look upon your your face as you would stand before him knowing of the things that you have done, said, thought that disqualify you. Well, what does it then mean to be born from above? It means that something must happen from God's perspective for you. Something God has to do, not you. I love the Westminster Catechism, the larger catechism talks about coming to faith in Christ. And one of the amazing things in the Gospels is wherever you see Jesus talking about coming to believe in him, repentance is a part of that. And so the, the Christian life is a life of repentance and faith. It's not just that we repent one time. We, we live a lifestyle of repentance and faith. And I, I love what the catechism teaches about this when it says, what is repentance? Well, it's being born from above is what it is. Repentance is a work of God. It's that work where God begins to reveal to us something about ourselves that we know to be true, but we would never admit to anyone else. The catechism answers it this way, that repentance unto life is a saving grace worked in the heart of the sinner by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And by that Word and Spirit, we who are sinful recognize not only how dangerous it is to commit sins, but how filthy and hateful we are to God. 
And we come to that understanding that Christ, in Christ, God is merciful to those who repent. That we who sin suffer much deep sorrow for and we begin to hate sin so much that we turn away from all of these sins and we turn to God. It's not that we are able to accomplish the refrain from sin. It's that we come to God who gives us the power to resist that sin. To hate it the way he hates it. To look at it the way he looks at it. Attempting to walk continually with him in accordance with his new obedience. Well, well, that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, you must be born from above. Your heart must be changed. Well, who can change the heart? Only the Holy Spirit. This is why Nicodemus had such a hard time with that. But even then, it's surprising he did because when Jesus says, you must be born from above, Nicodemus goes, how can that be? What are you talking about? And Jesus amplifies it even more. He said, you must be born of water and of spirit. And that in itself has caused many commentators to just fumble over themselves trying to figure out what does he mean. Well, what does he mean? And some people think spirit is capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit. And some people think the water is different things. Some one commentator said it's all of the Old Testament and this and that and this and that. Well, the context here is important. Jesus is talking to a Pharisee who was schooled in the Old Testament law. I heard even one person say, well, what that means is you have to be born of water, meaning that, that when you're born physically from your mother, that's the water, the ambiotic fluid you come out of, and then you're born with a spirit that is the Holy Spirit that comes in you. I don't think that fits either. In fact, what I think Jesus is describing, and I'm pretty sure, is that if you go back to Zechariah 36, 25, here's what Zechariah prophesied about this, this gift that God would give. It's just so powerful, so beautiful, if I can find it. Um, Zechariah, and I'm going to go all the way back to Zechariah. There's Zephaniah. I had it right here, y'all. I really did. There it is. No, that's not it either. Anyway, what an embarrassment. In Zechariah 36, 25, it says this, that God says, I will give you a clean heart. that I will do it. You can check with me later. Please forgive me for not having it. This is the first time my iPad has failed me. Not. Zechariah says that God will give us a clean heart. Well, how will he do this? He says with the washing of his word. And so many times when you look in the scripture about washing it is God's word that washes us. It's when you hear God's word, it begins to cleanse your thoughts. It begins to take away the filth that resides there. And that word of God, Jesus told the disciples, my word has made you clean. Isn't that beautiful? And the spirit of God within us cries out to God our Father. And so as God's words God's word comes into our minds and our hearts. It begins to work like a detergent. This is why our, our minds must be transformed by God through the reading of God's word. Our minds must be transformed in some ways that we, we like shampoo. 
wash our hair, for those of you who are lucky to have any, uh, wash our hair from the filth that is within our minds. Jesus does this. John Newton was a slave trader. He had spent his whole entire career enslaving those who had been who had been captured in Africa by other tribes and sold to him, and he would put them on ships and bring them to Americas and the Barbados Islands. And in doing so, he realized the great sins that he was committing, and suddenly one day as he's walking in a port city, a woman cries out and says, John Newton, do you know that God is a Savior and can save you? And those words pierced his soul. To the point he cried out to God, God save me. And he spent the rest of his life dedicated to freeing slaves. He even wrote a song you've been singing all your life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You see, part of this new birth Jesus talks about is not that we stand before God and we we thump our chest and tell God how holy and righteous we are. No, no, no. It's that we come to God and we say, God, I'm a sinner. I am filthy. I am unclean. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn like that, for they will be comforted. This morning you need to be cleansed. Don't think by coming to this place and leaving it, you're going to be cleansed. Don't think by singing a few hymns that you're going to be cleansed. Don't think that coming and hearing this sermon that somehow you're now cleansed, you will only be cleansed by coming to Jesus. It's the only way. He is the only one who can cleanse you and make you acceptable to God the Father. And so because of that, John goes on to finish out this. He says in that last part of chapter chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 that we read, he says these powerful words. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he's born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised that I've told you this. He was, even though he knew Zechariah 36, 25. He was still shocked. Are you? Jesus goes on to say, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. What is he talking about? Well, when the children of Israel had left Egypt following God to the promised land, they rebelled against God and sinned against him so greatly that God brought a judgment upon them that they were going to have a sickness envelop their camp. And it ravaged those people. Their sins brought God's judgment upon them. Just like our sins will bring God's judgment upon us. Just like Vladimir Putin's sins will bring God's judgment upon him. Just like every person who has breaths, their sins stand before God and will be judged unless there's someone who can cleanse us. Jesus says, 
When Moses saw the people, he cried out to God for mercy and was instructed to take a serpent, put it on a staff, and lift it up and told the people, if you will gaze upon that pole, God will heal you. Do you know today in the medical field, the symbol used in the medical field is that serpent that was on that pole? Did you know that? Why? Because in medicine, doctors and nurses have never, ever thought that healing comes from them. It comes from God. And so does our cleansing. This morning, you know in your mind, maybe, maybe you know that you have never come to Christ for his cleansing. You're like Nicodemus. You've, you've gone through all the rituals of being religious, but you've not been cleansed. You've not been born from above. You don't know of the Spirit of God living in you and directing your life. Well, I want you to know Jesus says you can have that this morning. You can have him if you will simply ask him to forgive you and come into your life. And you will be willing to turn away from your sin and begin to pursue Jesus. And Jesus will prove himself to you. You will come to know that he is real and true. But you must make a decision. I don't want to steal the thunder of the next sermon, but there's a man who is going to be by a pool, and he's sick, and he wants to be healed. And Jesus walks up to him and says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be cleansed of your sin? Do you really? Then come to Jesus. Dedicate your life to following him. Seek to love him with everything you have. And he will cleanse you. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God, we thank you for the power of the cross. For it is there that you took the enmity that once existed between us and you and nailed it so that those who would receive, those who would believe in that, would find eternal life. I, I've run out of time, Father. We, we are an impatient group. It is already 1130. And there are many here who are struggling in this very moment with the battle with sin that they know they are losing. And they have tried to reform their lives. They've tried to accommodate. They've tried to excuse. But they know in the deepest part of their lives that the filth is there. My prayer, God, is that you would bring your cleansing power upon us so that in turning to Christ and crying out to the God who saves us that David's words from Psalm 24 would be our words. When we ask who can stand before God, who can stand 
person who has clean hands and a pure heart, that we would be able to stand in the faith of Jesus Christ who gave himself and loved us in such measure that when he was lifted on the cross, he bore all of our iniquities and sins so that in the letters that Paul would write to the Colossians, he would say, for God has qualified us to inherit with all the saints the heights and depths and riches of God's mercy. And that that mercy and grace would work in us in such measure that we would begin, be God, to see things cleansed from our lives we could never scrub away ourselves. Lord Jesus, thank you for your great power at work in us. And the people of God said together,